Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ang episode na ito ay mula sa Bago Ang Lahat podcast. Kung nagustuhan nyo ito, hanapin lang ang Bago Ang Lahat sa inyong podcast app at kilalanin ang ilang mauhusay na Pilipino bago sila sumikat. Pag sinabing Pangulo ng Republika ng Pilipinas, anong klaseng tao ang iniisip mo? What makes him or her qualified for the position? Abogado ba siya? Doktor? O professional? Nakapag-aral ba? Yung tipong kumuha pa ng graduate studies sa ibang bansa? O baka naman, nung bata pa lang siya, lagi na siyang humahakot ng awards. E paano kung karpentero o mekaniko? Kayang-kayang magpaandar ng kahit anong sirang makina. What about a student who loved going to the movies more than going to school? Ganyan si Ramon Magsaysay. Let's find out how he rose to prominence from being a mechanic at a transportation company to a guerrilla fighter rallying hundreds of men in Zambales to becoming the highest public servant of the land. Kung ito ay kakamatay ng maliit ninyong lingkod at alipin na si Magsaysay, hindi baling mamatay ako dito sa panahon na ito. Mapakita ko nga ang sinyo. Ang paglilingkod sa gobyerno ay hindi binibilang kung ilang taon. Kung hindi kung anong nagawa mo sa bayan, yan ang dapat natin sukatin sa isang Kilala natin ang ating mga leader, reformer at innovator para sa mga nagawa nila. Pero bago ang lahat, sino nga ba sila? Sa episode na ito, kilalanin natin si Ramon Magsaysay, ang ikapitong Pangulo ng Pilipinas, beloved by millions and millions of Filipinos. And at his core, an honest man who let his work do the talking. Bago ang lahat, isang podcast ng Youth Leadership for Democracy or Youth-led, a project of the Asia Foundation and the United States Agency for International Development. Powered by Punga Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Ventura, and today I'm joined by my co-host... Hi Kat, I'm Ima Malate, an advocate for inclusive spaces and promoter of quality education. Hi, Ima. Nasaan ka? <laughs> actually, Kat, nasa Davao ako ngayon. Ikaw, saan ka ngayon? Well, actually, nandito ako sa Land of the Lockdown. <laughs> actually, nandito ako sa Quezon City. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. So, Ima, what do you know about President Magsaysay? He was our seventh president. At the same time, I also mm-hmm. know na siya yung talagang nag-defeat nung hukbalahap movement from his time. Mm-hmm. Well, ako, I know him from the Magsaysay Awards. Parang in the short time he's in office, he sort of set the standard for 
good leadership and integrity in office, which is a remarkable feat. Right. Actually. Yes. <laughs> but today, we have a number of special guests to tell us more about him. His second daughter, si Ma'am Mila Magsaysay Valenzuela, and his only son, former Senator June Magsaysay, is actually going to join us today to talk about his life. It's a pleasure for me to do this interview. I'd like to start by saying that the late president, he was not obsessed to become president. It just happened. And uh, to me, that is the most telling because he was uh, a simple person, a simple uh, working man. Thank you, Senator. Ma'am Mila, kayo po, ano po yung fond memories ninyo of your dad? Well, tatlo kami, no? My sister, the eldest, Teresita, and June, they were both very frail. They were tasked to dust the house. Ako, I would make tampaso, anong tawag na sa English, uh, because I, I had more energy and the two would be uh, assigned uh, a lighter job. He made sure that uh, we could do the work na kaya namin. And uh, he liked to go to the movies. Sometimes we went with him, but usually he went with June and he liked Western movies. I remember at Easter time, we hear the bell from Paco Church in Sing- from our house. And he would take us up one by one and lift us, lift, <laughs> lift us up, believing that by doing that, we would grow taller. Nako, Mamila, nakakatuwa naman po malaman yung side niya as a father kasi... You know, diba, as a president, we think him as a father could be formal or nadadala niya sa bahay yung pagiging presidente niya. But I think with this, we really saw how he naturally is as a father. So kayo po, Senator, I'm sure you have treasured memories as well. It would spoil me. I would have the latest uh, model plane. But after I get stuck, he's the one who finishes it. So he was enjoying it. <laughs> It's a motor-driven, huh? it's a small uh, engine, uh, but uh, we made it uh, fly a couple of times and then it crashed. What's up now? <laughs> That's how fragile. So, Mamila, back to you po. What are the things about the president that not a lot of people knew? He's Ilocano, so he likes ding ding, he likes simple food, no? Uh, and after a meal, he has to have something sweet. Even if it's only, alam mo, are you familiar with, they call it caramelo? Yung sugar na pinatigas, isasaw-saw lang yun sa tubig to have something sweet. Oh wow, may sweet tooth talaga, no? Parang ngayon ko lang po narinig yun. It sounds like he was the kind of person na madali kang makakarelate. Actually, hindi ko nga alam yung caramelo. Familiar ka ba dun, Kat? Palagay ko hindi na natin panahon yun. <laughs> anyway, we also have another guest with us who can talk about what President Magsaysay was like. I am Susan Afan and I'm the current president of the Ramon Magsaysay Award Foundation. So, Mom Susan, could you describe the president for us? He wore very simple clothes. Usually daw yung parang aloha shirt, yung bang shirt na medyo loose-fitting, and he drove his own car, and he spoke a language that was easily understood by simple folk. Magaling daw siyang magmambo. 
sumayaw ng mambo. That is by far the best and catchiest jingle I have ever heard. It tops all the other jingles we have right now. But you know, interestingly enough, he had really good PR. He had a good campaign with him because they used to play this in dances. And you wouldn't think it's a campaign jingle. But then when you get to the lyrics, talaga, mambo magsaysay all the way, right? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Actually, Kat, this is the first time I'm hearing this. But very catchy na yung jingle talaga. Kaya I believe that this is the best campaign jingle I've also heard. But let's go back to <laughs> President Magsaysay's youth. For these parts, we're relying on one of his biographies titled Magsaysay, The People's President by Manuel Martinez. President Magsaysay was born in Zambales more than a hundred years ago on August 31, 1907 to Perfecta del Fiero and Ezequiel Magsaysay. Ezequiel was a trader who, out of a sense of duty, helped his parents in their business. His father's gambling had caused hardships for their family. But through a loan from a relative, the family was able to grow their general merchandise store. So Ezekiel was a self-taught carpenter and mechanic, and as a teenager, he even built the family house along with other men. So like her husband, Perfecta also had a father with a gambling problem. Perfecta was a religious woman, and she studied in Manila and taught arithmetic. So back in Zambales, she minded the family store, and this was where she caught the eye of Ezekiel. They got married and had nine children, the second of whom was Ramon or Monching. When Monching was born, the midwife was worried about the shape of his head and a white patch of skin behind one of his ears. Parang bad omen daw ito. It meant that the infant would likely die, and she urged the parents to get him baptized immediately. Pero kung sakali daw mag-survive si Monching, he would bring great fortune to his parents. She also predicted that the boy would become sickly. In fact, when he was a year old, he was hit by a mysterious illness. He couldn't eat, he kept vomiting, and talagang pumayat siya. He was reduced to skin and bones. Monching recovered, but it seemed the danger lurked on every corner before and after that episode. For example, just after his birth, a typhoon hit, and he had to be carried through a window in their house so they could evacuate in the dead of night. He would then get typhoid fever, break his wrist, and eat so many guavas, his parents thought he'd die from the fever and delirium that followed. He was often down with fever or colds, and he would suffer from terrible headaches throughout his life. Kahit nasakitin si Monching, masigla at active siya. Mahilig siyang lumangoy sa dagat, mangaso, mangahoy, pati na rin magsaka. Naging apprentice din siya ng tatay niya sa carpentry at blacksmith shop nito sa bahay. Nung 7 years old pa lang siya, Gumigising siya ng maaga para sumama sa tatay niya sa job site 
kung saan nagtatrabaho ito bilang public works foreman. May lupa ang mga magsaysay kung saan nagtatanim sila ng palay. Bumili rin sila ng rice mill at ginamit nila ang kanilang ani bilang pang-trade sa ibang mga probinsya. Yumaman sila at marami nag-o-order sa tatay niya ng kagamitan sa bahay, pati na rin mga gulong at karitela. Pero hindi marangya ang pamumuhay nila. Patuloy pa rin nagtrabaho ang mag-ama gamit ang kanilang mga kamay. Pero dahil nga sakitin si Monching, nadelay siya sa pagpasok sa school. Actually, 17 years old na siya nung gumraduate siya ng elementary noong 1924. And it was around this time na naging interesado siya sa isang second-hand Ford Model T car. Now, I don't know if you've googled it, Ima, pero familiar ka ba dun sa movie na Cars? Yung Pixar film na Cars? Yes. Yung Ford Model T, actually si Lizzie yun eh. If you can ah. remember. Siya yung lumang car na black. And so, it's actually pretty cool. So, he asked his father to buy it for him. Puhulog-hulugan na lang niya. So, Ezekiel did, pero may isang kondisyon. Kailangan mapaandar muna niya ang sasakyang ito. Thankfully, tulad ni Ezekiel, Monching was a self-taught mechanic. So he was able to get the car running again. What's more, he would drive his classmates to and from school in another town and charge them five centavos for the ride. So he was able to pay his father back for the car. Alam mo kat, yung nakakatuwang ugali niya ay he was also a practical joker. Imagine mo to ha. Mm. Nung high school si Monching, kasama niya ang isa niyang kaibigan, nagpunta sila doon sa elementary school ng bayan nila. Hating gabi, tapos gamit ang mahabang lubid, pinatunog nila ang kampana ng school. Imagine mo lang yung kaba ng mga nakarinig, <laughs> lalo na hating gabi. Grabe, feel you rin talaga, no? <laughs> Oo. <laughs> Monching was also popular with his peers. Madalas pag may mga batang nag-aaway, siya yung pinupuntahan nila para mag-mediate. He also shared his food and his toys with his classmates and friends who weren't as well off as him. Mm. 20 years old na si Monching nung graduate siya ng high school. Overage na siya. Although he really didn't want to be a professional and he wasn't really interested in the classroom, he was expected to go to Manila for college. He enrolled at the University of the Philippines where he took up mechanical engineering. A self-supporting student, he did odd jobs like fixing car engines and driving for people like the owner of his dorm. But that same boss liked to stay out and party till dawn. The irregular hours took a toll on Monching's studies. Pati na rin dun sa kalusugan niya. Nag-drop siya ng mga klase, pinagsak din niya ang ilan, at napabarkada din si Monching. Madalas silang lumabas ng mga kaibigan niya para manood ng sine. Eventually, he was dismissed from UP, and he enrolled in Jose Rizal College for a commerce degree, where he eventually graduated. Again, mas gusto pa rin niyang pumunta sa sine, sa concerts, sa vaudeville, and even the girls' dorms. It was during this time also, in 1932, na pumasok siya sa Tritran. Isa itong maritime and land transportation company na umusbong nung panahon ng mga Amerikano. It operated inter-island passenger ships as well as taxis and autocalesas. Monching would go to work as a mechanic in the day and attend school at night. 
And he was promoted to chief mechanic in just a few months. And a few months after that, nag-supervise na siya ng mga driver, conductor, mekaniko, at office workers. Nutulungan niya yung mga driver kung may problema sila sa police, binibisita niya sila sa ospital kapag may sakit sila, at binibigyan niya sila ng pera at pinapautang. But he was also strict. Dapat malinis ang mga bus, dapat on time mga mga driver, at bawal ang sugal o pag-iinom. Lagot ka na lang kung lumabag ka sa rules niya because he was known for having a bad temper. But he also had integrity. Kasi sa position niyang yun, pwedeng-pwede siyang rumakit. Kumbaga, he could earn from transactions involving equipment, supplies, and gasoline. But he never gave in to temptation. It was at a bus terminal in Manila that Monching met Luz Banzon in 1931. Luz, her mother, and sisters had arrived from Bataan. And it was still dark. So they stayed at the terminal to wait for morning to arrive. Monching said of her code, Among all those trucks and grease and the jacks, she stood there like a little haughty angel. Wait, so haughty, not haughty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good. So I guess malakas ang dating and a bit superior, pero angel pa rin. It's like a scene off of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And then, after that, they married two years later and had three children, Teresita, Milagros, and Ramon Jr. Mom Mila, what were those early days of your childhood like? Alam po namin lumipat kayo sa Zambales dahil na-assign ng papa niyo doon. He would always tell the story that uh, when we moved there, we had a neighbor na... To sustain us para makainom kaming gatas, may kalabaw yung neighbor namin, binibigyan kami ng karabaw milk. Siyempre, hindi naman malaki ang sweldo ng mechanic. But when we were there, nag-start na yata yung war, the recruiting guerrillas, and became a member of the guerrilla forces in Zambales. And usually, he was out in the mountains or elsewhere doing his duties. And one of his duties was bringing supplies from Manila to the mountains in Zambales where the guerrillas were hiding. And makasama nung doon, Filipino at Amerikano. Monching was 34 years old when Pearl Harbor was bombed on December 7, 1941. The Japanese invasion of the Philippines was conducted on schedule. The first landing was made on December 8th. And during the two weeks following, beachheads were successfully secured at six points in the archipelago. The Magsaysays headed to the hills to hide. The mountain range of Zambales became the camping grounds of evacuees and guerrillas. As part of the underground resistance, Monching was initially in charge of gathering food, supplies, and intelligence for the guerrillas. He also helped secure food for the evacuees. Often, they would only have patis as their ulam. If Monching was captured by the Japanese, it would mean death by decapitation. Mas nangakatakot ito kasi there were Filipino spies everywhere who were pro-Japanese. We were living in my grandfather's small farm called Baring. And uh, we lived in a nipa hut 
na I think we were four families, uh, tigi-tigi sa kami ng Nipahat. And uh, we would see our father at night, only at night. And he would be on horseback to visit us and to see how we're doing. No? Sometimes he would send his men with instructions that we evacuate because he was always a wanted man no? by the Japanese. And we would leave that hut where we were staying and they would bring us to a safer place. And this is where, again, the CSIPs figure into our story. Ima, I don't know if you remember, but in our episode on Washington CSIP, we heard about his father, Albino, who was a prominent banker and one of the leaders of the Chinese-Filipino community at that time. Meanwhile, in our episode on Jovito Salonga, we heard about how Albino CSIP was imprisoned with him during the Japanese occupation. And now in this episode about Ramon Magsaysay, Albino was among those who donated money and medicine for the guerrillas. Wow, nagko-connect-connect na lahat, Kat, no? Oo nga eh. Talagang war brings us all together. <laughs> yeah, and you can really see how the Chinese-Filipino community played a huge part in our history. In 1944, just before General Douglas MacArthur's return, Monching thought it would be safer for his family to be in Zambales, so they traveled back there. This was a lucky decision because they would escape the liberation of Manila, which killed tens of thousands. Not just Japanese soldiers, but Filipino civilians too. By then, Monching was a commandant of the guerrilla movement, and he had been assigned to make peace among the different guerrilla factions in Zambales. Maraming infighting. Yung iba pa nga, nagiging outlaws na nambibiktima ng mga sibilyan. He was able to unite them. And by December 1944, they were doing their final battles with the Japanese. American planes had appeared in the skies. And by January 1945, MacArthur had landed in Lingayen, Pangasinan. He started marching with his men to Manila. Monching, for his part, was ordered to clear the beaches of Zambales because more American soldiers would be landing there. He was told to destroy an airfield that the Japanese had used as a radio communication center. It was also a base for their planes. Napakahirap ng desisyon na ito para kay Monching because if they did attack but failed to annihilate the Japanese, the Japanese would definitely retaliate. According to his biography, it was the Japanese policy to kill 10 Filipino civilians for every Japanese soldier that died. In fact, may mga sibilyang nakaalam ng planong ito at makaawa pa sila kay Monching na wag nang ituloy. They wanted to avoid a massacre. Monching agonized over this decision. But he had been ordered to attack. So he told the people, quote, If after attacking the Japanese, it is shown that I have brought disaster against my fellow citizens of Zambales, I want you to bring my wife and three children with me, if I am still alive, into the square before our Catholic Church in Castillejos. Have a firing squad shoot us there. My crime will be that I brought disaster and hardship upon you. At tinuloy nga na Monching ang pag-atake sa airfield ng mga Hapon. 15 Japanese planes were destroyed. Japanese pilots were killed. 
The building that disseminated information to Japanese military installations in the zone was destroyed. The Japanese soldiers who managed to escape fled to the mountains. By the end of January 1945, some 30,000 American troops were preparing to land on Zambales beaches. Monching's guerrillas had cleared the way for them. He would say later on, quote, The Americans were planning to carpet bomb the whole province, but I was able to assure them that there was no need for that. We had destroyed the enemy, even his radio stations. The Americans were amazed when they encountered no resistance, and I can say that I do not have one drop of innocent civilian blood on my hands. My father was already the head of the whole guerrilla forces in Zambales, which numbered 10,000. And when the Americans came and asked the colonel if he could make a list of somebody that could be the temporary military governor, that colonel submitted only one name. That's my father. So before the independence, Daddy was uh, a military governor in Zambales. Then 1946, we got our independence. We were going to have an election, right? And the guerrilla members of Zambales, they were urging my dad to run for Congress. Of course, he would say, I'm not a politician. I don't have money. And those who were running were the elite families in our province. But maybe thinking that his uh, experience in being a leader in the guerrilla movement would help his province mate. He acceded to the request of his guerrillas. They had just received their first, I think it's called back pay, no? <laughs> and they were contributing money for his campaign. He did not accept the money, gave it back to them and said, just go to your barrios and uh, where you live. Just campaign for me. So he won his first term in Congress. Then he won another term in 1950. Pero bakit nga ba sobrang loyal nitong mga gerilyang to kay Monching? This is because he made sure that every one of them gained official recognition from the U.S. Army and received their back pay. Every day that the Army offices were open in Quezon City, Monching would drive there from Zambales to follow up their papers. In Congress, he was chairman of the House National Defense Committee. He went to the U.S. during his first term to obtain the Rogers Bill, which would give Filipino veterans more benefits. This trip abroad allowed him to gain national recognition. Just a few months after he won, Quirino appointed him defense secretary. And that's where his uh, fight with communist movement, which was called Puk Balahap, he had two strategies. No? One was to uh, offer them a helping hand to become regular citizens, to come down from the mountains, surrender their arms, and they were going to be given land in Mindanao and support in relations to farming tools, maybe, and a little puhunan. 
uh, that was the right hand approach. The left hand approach was if you are a hardened believer of communism, then he will pursue you in the mountain. Remember, this was the time of the Cold War. Communism was on the rise around the world in Eastern Europe, China, and North Korea. So for the Philippines to quell the Hook Rebellion, it was huge. Senator Jun also has memories of his father's time as defense secretary. Weekends he would ask me to join him, visit the troops. So I was just observing. So by not saying anything, but how he treated his inspection, like uh, he would tell the, the commander what we eat, lieutenant so-and-so, the soldiers should also eat the same thing. Well-fed combat soldiers are more uh, aggressive because in the Gutome. So those things uh, stuck in my mind. But how did he become president in the first place? How did he become popular enough to be the highest leader of the land? According to scholar Miguel Bernad, Magsaysay restored people's faith in democracy. This was because in the 1949 polls, there were accusations of fraud. The elected government was also seen as corrupt. So in the 1951 elections, Magsaysay called on the armed forces and ROTC cadets to police the polls. He also worked with the National Movement for Free Elections or NAMFREL. Magsaysay showed the people that the government was sincere. He bypassed established channels and made it directly available to the people. Imagine mo, pwedeng pwede siyang basta-basta nalang puntahan ng kahit sinong Pilipino. They could also send him a telegram from anywhere in the country. His political career started in 1946, right? And he was president in 1953. Never dreamed of it, never had any intentions of that. But I guess being president is your fate. President Ramon Magsaysay was inaugurated on December 30, 1953. After the inauguration in Luneta, there were half a million people there. He was riding in a Ford convertible lent to him by Ford Philippines. And he was being pulled <laughs> here and then pulled. So when my brother was in the car with him and my brother was holding him back, no? Kasi the people were pulling him out. When he got to the palace, punit-punit na yung kanyang barong. The guard tapped the crowd already and he got angry. Sabi niya, let them in. This is their palace. Ma'am Susan? He wanted to prove that his government was really for the people. And he really meant it, yung pagbukas ng pinto, not just in words, but literally. But what did he accomplish while in office? Yun ang land reform, na binigyan niya talaga yung mahihirap ng oportunidad na magkaroon sila ng sariling lupa. Tapos, meron pa siyang mga ibang mga electoral promises na gumawa ng Presidential Complaint Action Committee, which immediately proceeded to hear grievances and recommended remedial action. There were nearly 60,000 complaints in the first year that he put up this 
Presidential Complaints and Action Committee, and that more than half, more than half of what was received that first year was already immediately acted upon. Tapos then, meron pa siyang established na National Resettlement and Rehabilitation Administration na tumulong naman sa pamimigay nga ng 65,000 acres to 3,000 indigent families for settlement purposes. It allocated another 25,000 acres to some 1,500 landless families who subsequently became farmers. And then nagbigay siya ng additional rural aid to establish the Agricultural Credit and Cooperative Financing Administration to make available rural credits that totaled over 20 million pesos. And at that time, napakalaki ng 20 million pesos. Gumagawa rin ng mga wells. Imagine, pati yun. Kasi at that time, kulang na kulang ang tubig. And kung tutulungan mo farmers, kailangan ng balon. Napaka-concrete ng actions. Praktikal at madaling makita ng ordinaryong Pilipino yung impact nito sa kanila. Senator June? So, his simplicity and lack of air, walang hangin, no? I think endeared him to a lot of common people because he knew how to just visit them, find out what's wrong, what they think about agriculture or a peace and order problem. And that's uh, the way he was, uh, all the way to the presidency. Ma'am Susan? Yung pag-caring niya for the people as individuals was talagang genuine. And that he believed in the dignity and the importance of every human being. How about you, Ma'am Mila? All his men, they knew that he had a very high standard of doing the job well. And if he received reports, of even the smallest corruption, they'll get the Jew. Sino kawawa? Filipino, taxpayers. So siya, going back to the late president, very simple. You have to practice. This is not your money. This is the people's money, treasury. That's the national treasury. You're going to just throw it around. He would go to the Bureau of Customs before 8 a.m. And when he sees, may mga bakante pa, He called the officer, you give me the names of this, suspend them for a week because they are late. Just to set the example of being strict uh, in terms of time to serve. And if he did a favor to somebody and he would be given an expensive gift, he would even get angry <laughs> at the person. And this uh, spread around, so people were afraid to give him expensive gifts, no? Aside from being honest, President Magsaysay was a man of action. Just listen to this anecdote from Ma'am Mila. He sometimes escapes from his security. <laughs> uh, pag nagmamadali siya, sige na lang siya. Sometimes he drives. And ang nangyari, yung mga security niya, yung close-in, natutulog siya na nakasapatos na. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hindi mo pipigilan basta meron siyang naisip or natawagan niya yung cabinet member at 2 o'clock in the morning kasi may naisip siya ng ganyan. Uh-uh. Always in a hurry to make things better. <laughs> and of course, President Magsaysay is famous for his credo. 
Nananalig akong nagsisimula ang pamahalaan sa ibaba at kumikilos pa itaas dahil ang pamahalaan ay narito para sa ikabubuti ng nakararami sa ating bayan. Nananalig akong ang mas gipit sa buhay ay dapat mas higit sa batas. Nananalig akong may angking karapatan. You can listen to the entire Magsaysay Credo on Golf PH on YouTube. But let's go back to President Magsaysay as a father. Busy as he was, did he still manage to spend time with his children? When he goes around, sometimes he goes with my brother. He likes to visit yung mga junk shops because he's a mechanic, no? Ah, and he would always tell uh, the drivers when they take us to school, don't use the big cars. You use the small cars dahil nagtitipid tayo sa gasolina dahil pera ng tao yan. <laughs> Tapos, pag ang, ang, ang good food lang namin ay Sunday lunch is um, Chinese food. Kasi yung cook namin marunong magluto ng pancit o uh, yung sweet sour pork, ganyan. Yun, treat na yon treat. Oo. Tinitipid niya dahil sa pera ng taong bayan. On March 17, 1957, President Magsaysay boarded a plane in Cebu to head back to Manila. He had come from a number of engagements. Those included at least two graduations where he delivered speeches to young people from Southwestern Colleges and University of the Visayas. It was an hour past midnight, but a crowd had still gathered at the airport to bid him goodbye. And later that day, they would realize that indeed, it was their final farewell. The C-47 army plane that carried the president and 26 other passengers would crash in Mount Manunggal, the highest mountain in the province. Always on Sundays, we have mass together and uh, we eat together. That's the only constant during his presidency. And that is probably the reason he wanted to come home that night. We were waiting for him for that mass and breakfast. But time passed and there was no communication. So they said the plane was missing. We were hoping that he went to another place. He's like that. eh? If he thinks of something, he'll do it at once. We probably went to another province or did not communicate. But then they found the wreckage. I cannot describe until now the feeling, the emotion, because at that time we never thought we lost the present. We lost our father. When the palace ground was full and he laid in wait in the palace, they would close the gates and the people would try to get in, storm the gates. They wanted to go and see him. There was an old woman who walked from Baguio to the palace 
And our car was getting out of the gate and she was stopping us from leaving. She put herself in front of the car, you know. Of course, uh, we had to leave. President Magsaysay was just 49 years old. I think he's the youngest president of the Republic. I was so touched and surprised during the funeral. Na yung tao, million yata. They were climbing trees. They were in the buildings. They were following the cortege. And they were, some were kneeling, crying. Sabi ko, ganito palang effect ng father ko. Because they knew he loved them. And they loved him. That's it. And when my brother opened the safe of my father in the palace, because he was the only one who he thought how to open it, he saw 2,000 pesos and not even one bank book. And he cried. He was 18, I think. He cried because, what, he's the only son? <laughs> we had no business. My mother was a housewife. He knew the heavy burden that was coming his way. Grabe, Kat. Mm. Can you imagine a presidential family being practically homeless and bankrupt at the end of a term? You know what? I can't. Sobrang nakakagulat ito. Considering that most presidential families are, well, they tend to be well off. Congress gave that 100,000 because he died in line of duty. A friend of my father insured him for 100,000 and he did not know it. Then Philippine bankers contributed 10,000 each, which was 100,000 then. So 300,000 was our seed money. My mother bought uh, this uh, lot where we here in Wakwak, which was 25 pesos a square meter. And uh, Mr. Ortigas, who owned this whole thing, probably he gave us a special prize. And then he even donated a portion for a museum for my dad. So when we started building the house, the people helped us. How? They donated the cement, the, the roof, the furniture, the landscaper, the architect. All donated. It sounds like a fairy tale, right? Oo nga po eh. I can only imagine what it was like to mourn your father and to be in so much despair because the future was so uncertain. Tapos biglang may malaking tulong na dumating. And I can say that if you were a good president, an effective president, and loved by the people, the people will try to find ways, even when you're gone, to return the favor. Mamila, one final question po. What do you want young Filipinos who never knew him, Filipinos who never experienced him, to know about President Magsaysay? That a president can be the most powerful influence to his people and country, and even to the world stage. If they really are focused on the job, they have integrity, 
They really love their country. That's it. Ramon Magsaysay had an unusual path to the presidency. He was a student who preferred playing outdoors and having fun with his friends over learning in the classroom. He was a mechanic who loved cars and could get the most stubborn of engines running. He was a guerrilla who literally fought the Japanese during World War II. But his dedication to public service endeared him to millions and millions of Filipinos. There is a spark of greatness in each and every one of us, no matter our traits, our upbringing, or our accomplishments. We should let it shine, not just through words, but like President Magsaysay, through action. You've been listening to Bago Ang Lahat, isang podcast ng Youth Leadership for Democracy or Youth-Led, a project of the Asia Foundation and the United States Agency for International Development. Powered by Puma Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Ventura. And I'm Ima Malate. Kung gusto nyo pang kilalanin si President Ramon Magsaysay, maraming naisulat na biography tungkol sa kanya. Hanapin nyo lang ito sa suking library nyo. This episode was written and produced by Trisha Aquino with research from Macy Hoven. It was edited by Mark Casillian. Thank you to the Rizal Library at the Ateneo de Manila University for helping us secure a copy of Magsaysay, The People's President by Manuel Martinez. Thank you also to the Ramon Magsaysay Award Foundation and Museo ni Ramon Magsaysay in Zambales. The clip you heard of Magsaysay's speech was from GovPH on YouTube. His campaign jingle was from an archive maintained by former communications undersecretary Manolo Quezon. Subscribe to Bago Ang Lahat on Spotify or wherever you listen. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.